0: Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, (laughs) why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists well trained and experienced you can keep looking until you find someone that you click with they have customized online therapy they do offer videos but they also offer phone and live chat sessions so you don't even have to be seen you can only be heard what are you waiting for go to betterhelp that's h slash l p.com/stages and for our cast members you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com/stages go 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 find your healing go find your happy stages podcast is sponsored by better help that's h-e-l-p hi i'm stephanie j block and i'm mary lee Fairbanks. welcome to stages podcast where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage I have to stop you right away. Will you take off that gorgeous jingly bracelet that you're wearing? Do you have a jingly bracelet? Me? (gasps) No. Is it me? Is it this? No, it's a jingle.
1: I just heard the jingle there. Do you have a cup
0: or something? No. No, That's
1: the chair. That's my chair. I was hoping it was a
2: spirit. Jacob Marley is coming through.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Chains are long and heavy. Trust home.
0: Home. Where you are now. Listeners, are you ready? So I had the extreme pleasure of meeting and working with this ladybug of a human um, at the first national tour of Wicked when she was just 19 years old. She is truly one of my favorite people on the earth because she has this extraordinary balance. She is simultaneously real and grounded and like completely fanciful. And that is her MO in both life and also what makes her so magical on stage. And it is the most delightful combination and totally authentic and singular to only her. She has a, an enviable stage resume, Wicked, Legally Blonde, Hair, Rent, Kiki Boots. She was the titular character in Sylvia. And if you don't know that play, the titular character is a dog. We'll <laughs> talk about that later. Um, she won the Tony. She won the drama desk. She won the Outer Critics for You Can't Take It With You as Essie Carmichael. And her TV and film credits are so many that I'm getting dry mouth. So I'm just going to say that she is currently on CBS and be positive as Gina Dabrowski. And she is also... The exquisite and wonderful and wacky and the only way, other than Paula Jones, who can play Paula Jones is Annalee Ashford in FX Impeachment American Crime Story. Ladies and gentlemen, all humans, ladybugs, and magical fairies, mm-hmm. welcome to Stages <laughs> Podcast, Ms. Annalie Ashford. Annalee Ashford to stage. Annalee to stage, please. Oh,
1: thank you. That was the best intro I've ever gotten. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for coming and being here. I know you have a little one. I know you're so busy. So we really, really appreciate it.
2: Are you kidding me? Um, Stephanie is the first person that
0: I hugged during the pandemic other than my family.
1: And we wept. We fell into each other's
0: arms and we wept. We did. Um, So we're going to keep that love going. When did your love of wigs begin, Annalie? Like, how did that even start? (laughs) Hard-hitting reporting.
2: Okay, you know, I have never really thought about this, but it's, it's amazing that my answer is immediate. My grandma, Carol, had a box in the bottom of the linen closet it had a couple of hair pieces, but she was a brunette and I was a blonde child. As a child, I was a natural blonde. Now I pay for it to look like when I was a child. Anyways, they were, she had a couple falls and then like one was just like a bun piece and I would basically wear them as a hat, like a wig as a hat. <laughs> It was a hair hat. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, I think my love of wigs began with that magical box in the linen closet. But I mean, I just can't remember not loving wigs. But those are, that was my first access to a good wig, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was watching
1: some of your uh, wig Wednesday cooking things that you do.
2: Well, I happen to be, um, a WW, which is formerly known as Weight Watchers, uh, member. Well, they don't for like, go by that at all. And no, it is. Oh. Total reboot. I've been with the old WW for like 13 years now. Um, and really like I'm a diehard go to meetings full out, helped me change my relationship with food and the way that I think and look about my body. And also man as actors i don't know if you feel this way i have had people say the most horrific things to me about my body in all at, at all times and places and spaces that you just can't believe it you're like are you really saying this to me right now and joe has been there for for many moments that you know i'd be like this happens you're like no it doesn't now he's seen it happen a much so anyways it helps me really like love myself love my body and it's much more body positive now than it I think people know that it is. So anyways, a couple of years ago, they were like, do you want to be an ambassador for us? And I was like, hells? So they, yeah.
0: And you were just literally just going to meetings and and eating their food and following their plan and they approached you. I I didn't know you had a complicated relationship with food
2: not even complicated. I think when you're an actor, you just have a more um, public relationship with food. And the, and also it's not even my relationship with food. It's in the relationship with my body. It's like translating and being able to like, let go of people saying really mean things to you about your body and just loving your body. Gosh, um, I'm
0: not there. I'm not there. Yeah. Especially right now. I look at myself and boy, I- I'm trying to embrace her and be like, that body got you or is getting you through a pandemic that body has gotten you through birth that body ha- is still upright and walking and healthy and you have to love it but holy cow does media and and just yeah. what we've been programmed to believe no matter how well adjusted you are it is it's, it's fucking really hard. Yeah, we always say too, this is a
2: terrible thing to say, but you know, when you see somebody and you haven't seen them a while and they're doing a show, and there are some shows that are much more stressful than others on your spirit, on your body. And like sometimes just doing it eight times a week makes you just exert more calories in a way. For sure. And we always go, oh, look, they got the cortisol
0: eight show weak body going.
2: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Your cortisol levels are so high. I remember one time during kinky boots, I had to get, it was right before I got diagnosed with celiac disease. I was so sick and we couldn't figure out what's wrong. We couldn't figure out what's wrong. Finally, I went to see like a functional doctor and we got, um, it was my first test for celiac. And at the same time they did a cortisol test my cortisol levels were so high that they thought I had Cushing's disease.
0: Wow,
1: That's
2: how high wow. they were. And that sort of was like a wake up call for me.
1: I, I don't know if it's like this in other countries though. I mean, I think that our ideal of what women are supposed to be is much different here than other places. Right. I have a son, I don't have a daughter, but I think if I had a daughter, it would be really challenging because You really don't want them to grow up with this paranoia that we all seem. And does anybody look in the mirror and go, huh? You know, thank you, body. I don't know. No, I try to keep
0: it in check. I make sure I keep it in check. I don't want that for her, but I will be right by her side if and when it happens. And sadly, I think it's going to be more when and if.
2: It's interesting to watch the younger generation, though, shift sort of their conversation on this topic. That's been one of the things that's been sort of surprising to me about my journey with WW has been so pure. And the reason I was so willing to to be so open about my um, success in sort of following the program was because I felt like it really helps me be body positive. But that's sort of been a challenge. Sometimes people are really aggressively kind of angry with me for, for doing what they think is a diet, Um, Mm. you know, because we're in this other conversation and how could you promote a diet? And, and what I really want people to kind of take away is their main focus is body positivity. You know, Mm. there's, it's all about like, how can we help you feel healthier? How can we help you get more sleep? How can we help you spend more time meditating? Here's literally a section on the app that's free for just meditation. Yeah, Here is a sleep tracker. People
0: are are like knee-jerk reaction on social media getting a little frustrated with you because you make that very very clear as the ambassador for them on your social media and whenever you're sort of promoting their mission and their methodology it's far more about this holistic approach to health, mind, body, spirit than it is just diet. Yeah,
2: and and part of my story too with it is that I had a, I don't always talk about this very much, but I feel like they would be fine with me sharing it. My grandma's in heaven looking down on this. So she'll be like, yeah, tell us. And my mom, I think would be okay with it. Um, But my grandma struggled so much with her weight her whole life. And it really led to her, complications with her health in many ways, but especially when she got diagnosed with breast cancer at the very end. And that's ultimately what she died from. It really, really was a challenge in her, in her fight. And also, It was just really hard to watch somebody who had something else going on. Like if she was alive right now, we'd be like, she probably had another autoimmune disorder. Something Mm -hmm. else was going on. Um, But the one thing she always sort of enjoyed was she always like loved Weight Watchers. And then on the other side, but she loved her body and was really kind of sweet about it. And I loved watching her just accept her sort of conflict and like love herself. My mom on the other side of the spectrum spent a lot of years... Navigating an eating disorder through her high school years, and then even when I was a little girl, I watched her really struggle before she had my brother and sister, and then when she had my brother and sister, she struggled. And I found her really finding solace in in Weight Watchers. This is so many years ago, and they would do it together, but for different reasons. My mom trying to find a healthy weight and loving her body and finding Mm -hmm. peace with her body, and my grandma from another side of the spectrum. So. I just think I saw both sides of the equation, you know, um, two women fighting sort of different sort of food struggles, um, and body struggles. And I think me and my sister kind of landed in the middle because we knew that we sort of didn't want to participate in in that sort of constant mind, but also we got help and we live in a different generation. Um, so I just think it's going to just be, you know, a conversation for women till the end of time. But you know, if you can focus on your sleep and drinking water and loving yourself. <laughs> hydrate answers everything.
0: What was it like growing up in a very maternal household with grandma and your mom was a single mom? Is that right?
2: My mom yeah. had me, um, she got pregnant her senior year of high school and didn't know she was pregnant for like the first five months, which is amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, gosh. didn't, didn't she, I was one of those. I didn't know I was pregnant babies. I mean, I wasn't like born in the senior year, uh, gym or anything like that, but, um, <laughs> she didn't know for a while. And like my grandma had a dream and came in my mom's room in the middle of the night and was like, Holly, are you pregnant? And my mom was like, I don't know, maybe not crazy, kind of magical. And then they got a pregnancy test in the middle of the night and um, my grandma was adopted and was her and my grandpa were really just sort of really outspokenly lovely and wonderful about making sure that she felt like, you know, she had the option to give me up for adoption if she wanted to. And, um, and she decided that she, you know, wanted to have me. And so we lived with my grandma and grandpa and my three uncles um, until I was six and then she married my dad. So my grandma and grandpa lived next door to us and we lived next door to my grandma Ash or my great grandma and I took care of her. When I was like 10, me and my cousin Tyler would walk home from school and watch Grandma Faye. I thought that sounds bad, but you know, some people with dementia, they need some, you know, they need yeah. some help watching over. So me and Tyler would make her a snack and she'd watch cartoons with us. We'd, we were supposed to give her pills and she'd wait until we looked away and she'd chuck them across the room. <laughs> I think that's where
0: your maturity came from, being 19 and being so self-composed and ready for anything. When I met you, you were a young in, (laughs) at least from the outside looking in. Nothing phased you. You were ready to take it all in and take it all on. And it was crazy impressive, like your calm and your consistency for being 19 years old and like, you know, stepping into the role of Glinda, do you think that like being 10 and having responsibilities, being raised in sort of a communal environment led to
2: that? It's so funny that you ask that because I look back at those times and I, that's so sweet of you. And sometimes, some of it was like, you know, when you're 19, 20, 21, you're kind of fearless because you have no reason not to be. So I think that was a part of it. The other part is, I remember being a really little girl and, and sort of like hearing conversations that I wasn't supposed to hear. I remember a neighbor saying something really awful about my mom and I, you know, and about my mom having me so young. And my, my mom was in college right away getting and She's a PE teacher. It was sort of like both of us were trying to prove her choice right.
1: You know, I always
2: felt as a little girl, I was a major overachiever. Had to have straight A pluses, and some of that I think was to be like, "See, I am me and my mom are great. We did a great thing." You know, didn't you graduate high school and college really early? Yes, which my husband makes fun of constantly. Part of it was like an overachiever thing, and then I think there's um, some—I don't know how to—it sounds obnoxious to be like—I've always gravitated towards old souls. Right now, I'm be positive. My character, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to like say what we're doing. We're doing a major change in the show. But my character works at an assisted living facility. Mm -hmm. And it's just like feels like home to me. And Linda Lavin's on the show. And she's just such a kindred spirit. I hate to be like so cliche and say like, I'm an old soul. That and I did a lot of like weird not weird, but wonderful theater in Denver. When I I was 13, I looked like I was 19 and they cast me at the Country Dinner Playhouse. And after they cast me, they were like, why does your mom keep driving you? And I was
0: like, <laughs>
2: oh, I can't drive. And they were like, why can't you drive? And I was like, don't well, have my license yet? And they were like, how old are you? I was like, oh, I'm 13. And they were like, oh
0: my God, we have to redo your paperwork. <laughs> you can't kiss that 41 year old man. This isn't right. <laughs> i did do it sh- when i was
2: 16 i did um i did i played sandy in greece kind of last minute they somebody backed out. and your daddy was in. how old brian brian nunn who at the time was like 31 and i remember being like why is he being so weird when we have to kiss <laughs> i'm a sixteen poor guy he probably was like more and then we ended up working together <laughs> later he played the witches. did he play the witch's father when we were doing it and so we don't be we'd always be like, hey, remember when we kissed when I was Hey, 16? remember?
1: Remember? <laughs> I was looking back at a bunch of your work before the interview. And one of the things I noticed was how comfortable you seem inside of characters that are so different. You seem to find this uh, versatility and this range and you pull it off with complete ease. None of it ever seems put on in each of these characters, even though they're so, some are really funny, some are really damaged. so you know They're all so different and yet real and believable. How do you find that kind of honesty inside of all these different characters? Do you have a process that you go through? Are there things you look for in a script to say, oh yeah, that's what I want to sink my teeth into?
2: That's the best compliment ever. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my God. I, you know, when you first start out, they always ask you like, what's your type? Who are you? And at the beginning, I think that can be a helpful tool. At the beginning also, it's all, all about categorizing and putting you in a box. And when you're learning... All you want to do is be versatile and play every role you possibly can. And and so at the beginning um, of my career, sometimes it was, I had to really fight hard to get into certain rooms because it was sort of like, well, we know her as this, so that's what she can be. She can't be this other thing. For instance, like when I went in for Maureen and Rent, I had like six callbacks for it because I think everybody was like, oh, is this right just sort of because I'd played Glinda.
1: Right. And,
0: right. You know,
2: they so were maybe like, she
0: was great on a Tuesday, but is she going to be good next Thursday? Oh, mm-hmm. she was good that Thursday. Let's bring her back on Monday because this can't possibly work. Right. Let's. Yeah. yeah. It's almost and like he, they're trying to debunk how yeah. wonderful you actually are.
2: And even as simple as like, well, Adina Menzel played alphabet, So I think we need an alphabet. You know, oh like, you know, I think it's sometimes it's,
1: that it's mindset. their limited thinking, their yeah. limited thinking and it affects your career. So it's amazing that you could push through all of that.
2: That actually too, that role was really like, I'll be forever grateful to um, Michael Greif and also Will Van Dyke was the music director and he called me and was like, hey, I think, you know, it just sort of was like, they're going to call you back in, but just know this is going to be kind of an uphill and you just got to go for it. But anyways, I use the same process for every girl. Um, and there's always like a piece of your soul in every character you play. And I always, I always believe that there's a, a, a really important piece of their puzzle. Uh, you have to find where they're vulnerable. And when you can find that, then everything else kind of fills itself out. But I always just try to figure out what they want, what's their obstacle, what the relationship is to the people around them. And then I always think that their backstory is amazingly helpful. Their physicality is everything. I'm sort of an outside in-person. I always feel like, you know, that last day when you get to put on your costume and your eyelashes, eyelashes are so important and your wig, the wig, <laughs> the wig, the wig. It's all about the, the wig. wig. Yeah. But it's all, it's always feels like, you know, when you're baking a cake, if the cake isn't good, if the actual cake doesn't taste good, it can be beautiful but we, we're not going to care, you know? So I would say I have sort of like an old school process. I do some UdaHagen, take it back to the basics. I sit down with my little journal and I break down every scene like super old school. Like, what do I want? How am I going to get it? Break down the beats. And I always feel like that gives you the roadmap to the girl that you're going to find. Yes. And also comedy is higher stakes than drama. It's like mm-hmm. always the highest yeah. stakes.
1: Mm-hmm. not wild. But you go from these comic characters into these sort of damaged characters, like like your character in Masters of Sex, mm-hmm. you manage to pull her off without ever going over the top. It's like you're walking this fine line between comedy and not comedy because she's funny and all of these. But she's also, you know, damaged and broken and all
2: these things. You know, I think one of somebody asked me in an interview recently, like, how do you prepare differently for film and TV than you do theater? And I was sort of explaining that it's all sort of the same prep. But it's tone that's different. And when we teach, like sometimes I, that's the hardest thing to explain to a young actor. Like if they've been doing a lot of theater. Like how do you make yourself smaller for the camera? How do you explain that technically? I think it's tone. Yes. And so for like Betty, for example, there was, she had to have a sense of humor about everything in her life. She had to make a joke because it was that brutal. That was her mm-hmm. only way to find joy was to, to, to make fun of it. You know, that was sort, sort of my window into her comedy. And also for every character, it's sort of like you as the actor and have to know what their comedy engine is and then sort of bury it and not be aware of it. And then just be mm. honest, you know? I
0: remember when I reached out and I was going in for like, a, I don't know, a second or third callback for Masters of Sex to play your lover. Do you remember? Yes. Oh my God, and yes. Do you rem- it went to Sarah Silverman. Well, it's just wild how everything is so interwoven. And it all just sort of circles back around itself. And, but I do, I, that was one time it's very, very rare that I will, reach out to someone who's already like part of the fabric or the original cast of a show that I'm auditioning for as a reoccurring guest or whatever. But I thought, man, if I can't reach out to Anna Lee, I don't know who I could possibly reach out to. And I mean, Sarah was fantastic. The two of you together were really wonderful. Was she a kick to work with? The best, the dreamiest. I'm so happy to hear it.
2: uh, The crew, we would just like, we would savor the days we'd get Sarah. You know, she's so busy. So we'd two episodes, we'd have to do like 10 scenes and we'd do them in two days with her because we'd have to just push them all together because she was so busy. And everybody was like, Sarah's coming tomorrow. It was like (laughs) Christmas.
0: You mentioned Will Van Dyke and now your relationship. Has like continued? You guys have a long-standing collaboration with each other. Will you talk about that?
2: Yeah, we. Um, oh my goodness! He remember he was second. He was second key when we were in Wicked. Yeah, me and him started like kind of at the same time, and I always thought his music was really special. And we always stayed in touch, and we're good friends. And then around uh, Rent, that revival that we did at um, New World Stages, he was music directing. He was MDing and the way that that theater is set up you spend so much time together in a very intimate way and so we got even closer to also his now husband andy andy jones and then at the same time we were working on the workshops for kinky boots and he was doing he was co- being their copyist and he was assistant conducting hmm. um and so while we were working on kinky boots he was like you know, like, we have to do a show. We've been talking about doing a show forever. We need to do a callback. We got to do it. I was like, okay, if you actually just book the date for me, then it'll make us do it. And so we did. And every two-show day for like three months leading up to the date, we would just work on it in between two-show day shows. And I, he, he's so patient with me because I write all of the banter with my best friend, Craig Jessup. And so uh, he'd be patient with me and wait for my weird jokes that we'd write. And he's the best for me. He's so much more organized than I am, and he's so patient with me, and he's so supportive and so loving. And now we've done so many cities together and so many weird shows. And he just we we've done a, the New Year's show at Fifty Four Below a couple times now, and he lets me do the weirdest things. I do bingo. I do lottery drawings and I start sometimes I feel like old lady in you. Yes. That's the new chapter. I feel like of my, my club
1: act is like, there'll be a game Wear
0: something knitted next time you need a knitted gown or something like that.
1: I have to say, if, if, if I was going to a retirement home, I would really, really hope that you were there. I think it would be really fun. Maybe it's something that three of us should plan on down the line. Actors home, actors home. We're there actors home we are there
2: we did a did you ever perform at the actors home like as a as like a we used to sometimes go for kinky boots and adina alexander would as we'd walk out she'd go i'll see you guys in uh 14 years the
0: countdown (laughs) begins. You and I have similar um, little families. We're both married to actors. You've mentioned Joe already during this conversation and you have a little human. How are you making this work? Because I can't imagine what a network's film schedule looks like. You do get weekends off. Is that right?
2: Yeah, which is like, it's a big deal. It's a big yeah. deal. Um, it's, you know, this last week was actually one of the more challenging weeks than we've had in a long time as a family. And it was the first time I saw it. Jack in a long time kind of be affected by it in this new era of his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Felicia Rashad told me once we were doing Shakespeare in the Park and I had to go away for like a day and a half or something and come right back. And I remember her saying, honey, it's going to shift when he turns like six, seven, when he's kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, those are going to be the hardest years for you with you being away. And I went, really? And she goes, yeah. I don't know why, but those will be the hardest. And I always sort of took that with me, put it in my heart and carried it. I felt like we had our first week of that last week. I just had a like three days in a row where I left before he got up and I got home after he'd gone to bed and his birthday was on Wednesday. And because it's COVID, nobody can visit you on set. And I just looked at the week ahead and the last couple of weeks have been kind of challenging and busy and... I just said he has to see me on his birthday. We got to figure this out. So I went to our AD and our projection manager. And I just was like, hey, what can we do? Can they get tested and they'll wear masks and can they come on, on set just for a little bit and then at dinner break? Can we sing happy birthday to him as the crew? And and just bring and they were lovely and they did everything. And he finally got to see the set, which he had wanted, and it really made it a difference for us as a family. And I'm really grateful for that because COVID has really made being a working mom in our business or working dad in our business much more complicated because they can't come to set and visit you. They can't come to the theater probably. I don't know what they're going to do. And also our little ones are not vaccinated. That's why we're depending on all of these adults. So I will say that I feel like it's going to be an ongoing, ever-evolving kind of conflict in our life as parents. I sort of made a choice recently to encourage us as parents to Make our profession in our life, while it is different from so many other kids' lives, special and try to make it the most positive thing we can. And when we see it becoming a problem or a roadblock, then we're just going to use every tool we have. Hey, if we can do, I'm, I'm so open to having therapy as a family when we need it and just constantly just being really open and talking about it. Like this morning when we woke up, he got in bed with me and he was like, are you going to be home when I get home? And I was like, yes, but if I wasn't, we'd face it. FaceTime is a miracle. I think for people mm-hmm. in this day, does he
0: understand what you do? Does Jack know, really understand what mama does? He just figured it out. And okay.
2: part of it, I think is going to set was, I think helpful. Um, and then also as actors, we're all friends with actors. So that's yeah. been kind of helpful too. Right. you know, like friends of ours that he sees in things and then meets them, that's more helpful. But mm. he's, the one thing that's been kind of sad to me is he, we haven't gotten to do theater this last couple of years. So he hasn't gotten to, part of his little life was like being with us at the theater, coming to the theater. And that's just mm. like, Yeah. that it'll be interesting to, I can't, by the time we get to be in a show again, hopefully he'll get to like see
0: it, you yeah. know? Phoebe has asked me, you know, why do you have to pretend to be someone else's mama when you're my real mama? Oh boy. Are you kidding easy me? Question to answer. Wow. She has listened to us when we are putting ourselves on tape and that usually it's after we put her to bed but yes. there have been times where we lovingly say, "Okay, it's time for you to watch Sesame Street for 2 hours or it's time yes. to watch Daniel Tiger whatever." And she will actively say, "I think you're really good." And I don't want you to get it. I want someone else to get it. Oh, oh wow. my gosh. She's so, so smart. At <laughs> six and a half. These are like ideas and themes and the way she's able to formulate the question or the idea. I've never heard it put that way before. Of course, I read the script. I'm like, OK, I'm playing this mom. and th- th- But the idea of through her eyes, through her lens saying, I'm trading being the mom to leave her to be a pretend mom and what that might look like for her. So talk about therapy. Does it make her think
1: she's not enough? Is that what she's trying to say? Like, am I not enough? So you have to go pretend to be someone else. She's that deep, but she
0: certainly knows that there's a sharing going on and she is not on Uh, board with the sharing of me being other people's moms she knows she is my priority. However, I can hear, she's making it very clear that it is complicated and
1: confusing and perhaps hurtful to her. And there's so much guilt that goes along with trying to be a mom mm-hmm. who has her own career mm-hmm. and is doing her own thing. the yeah. guilt. It's bizarro
2: yeah. hours too. Like our hours are so weird. I always try to remind myself like, oh, if I was a doctor, maybe I wouldn't feel so guilty, right.
1: like, exactly. No, I don't well, think yeah. so. I think, I think, just being a mom that's not at home, you feel guilty.
2: Exactly. Then you I watched *The do. Housewives of Beverly* or *Dallas*, and Tiffany Moon feels just as guilty, and it made <laughs> me feel a lot better. But
0: I learned this in therapy too—that <laughs> an individual cannot possess guilt; it has to be outwardly imposed upon mm. you. So that's an interesting thing for me to kind of like. Um, sit with, you know, saturate in because I'm like, okay, is this something that I truly feel? Am I truly feeling guilty or is this something that is being imposed upon me? And I'm now just hearing everybody else's opinions and taking them on as my own. And if I am truly feeling guilty and it is something that is, I'm harboring truthfully inside myself, that's a different conversation. Are you seeing um, like a, a musician or an artist or a creative in your son? Since that's really the language that you and Joe speak at home. Are you seeing Jack fear that way? He's definitely
2: giving us. I like to get a laugh and uh, I know what timing is now, which is like, <laughs> um, but I thought for sure he was tone deaf. He also, when I sing, stop singing. Oh, my gosh. He does not want me to sing at all. You're um, kidding.
1: No. Seb used to do that to me, too. He never wanted me to sing. <laughs> used to, used to, people used to pay me for that, you know? And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to hear it. No, I he must admit,
0: there is no space for me to sing in our house. He's like, I'm climbing up the stairs. Ouch. I think I got a splinter. What am I going to wear to hip hop class today? The whole song, the whole damn day is an operetta. And yeah. I keep telling people she's either going to be Amy Schumer or Lynn manuel Miranda. I <laughs> yes. don't know which one just yet, but she gives you full, she too has the jokes down. That's when she, you can just see her explode when she has people attention uh-huh. and she'll say something so doodle but she doesn't try to be wackadoodle the first time. So everybody just laughs because it's organic and it's coming out of the mouth of a four five, six-year-old. And
1: mm-hmm. then she
0: sees it and she's like, Ooh, I'm going to duplicate this. And then she keeps doing it and doing it and less laugh, you know, as we yeah. go, because it wasn't as organic or fresh the first time. And she's now learning to reenact the freshness. That's oh. where we are. It's a bit scary, but we're trying to just lovingly support, but not encourage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes,
2: yes. Yes. It's terrifying to me. I can't, I do his, his two. I did notice that he, I noticed he was a, um a little speech delayed and I was really aggressive about getting speech therapy and uh, our pediatrician was so wonderful. And I kept getting him tested. And also my mom's a teacher and has a degree in child development. So I'm, was just really wanted to be on it more for his confidence than anything else and communication. Mm-hmm. But the way that I noticed it was that he wasn't cooing and ooing and uh, he wasn't singing with me. And I was doing Sunday in the park with George when he was six weeks old. And then we did the run from the time he was three months old till he was six months old. So sometimes I'm like, did he hear too much singing? Like, was it, but he loves that score and he doesn't really know why. Like, mm. you know, you know, it's like in his little bones, it's wild how that score is a part of him.
1: Everybody loves that score. Yeah, I Yeah, but not at four.
0: <laughs> I mean, what a mature pal- musical palette to be like, yes, sometimes yeah. Sunday o'clock with Joel.
2: <laughs> he loves, come and get your love.
0: That's his like favorite song.
1: Isn't great?
0: Yeah, that's a great theme song. Come Girls, through life I was with
1: just going to say enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. Because in 10 very short years, they'll be driving yeah. a car out of your driveway like my son is now. And it is crazy. I only have four more months before he can drive on his own. And every night, really every night, he comes in and goes, Come on, let's watch a show. And we go in his room and we watch a show together every night. And my sister in law said today, that's over. The minute he can drive, no more TV shows. He's just going to be gone. I was like, don't tell me that. Please don't tell me that because I live for, you know, he goes out, he does his sports. He does his, he comes home. Come on, mom. And we just go in with the dogs and we watch a show and we pick something, we binge it together. And, you know, and, and as they get older, the time you spend with them changes, you know, so my husband's always taking him to the, his boxing and his sports things and camping. And, and I think that both of us, are very hyper aware of the finality of the years, you know, the childhood's just flown by. And I know we'll always be close to but just treasure it, even though it's so hard and it's always juggling, just feel like every day you get to just check in with the finality of what it really is.
0: My husband just waved at me because they're are, they're off to Vivi's first hip hop class <gasps> right now. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. Is she going to do the running man? No, no it ha- probably, it happens in the basement of a church. So I don't think it's going to be like whop or anything, you know, out of control with the songs, but she is so excited. And she picked out her outfit three days ago, which was like a tie dye shirt. That was a tree that went into a peace symbol. And she <laughs> asked me to cut her jeans into jean shorts and put a hole in it and some high top shoes for, and I mean, this was two or three days ago that she had to have this outfit ready for hip hop class. So cute. And now it's
1: time for the five questions. What was your nickname as a child? Who gave it to you and why? Annie.
2: I don't know where the origin is from, but I believe it was like a birth thing because my name is Annalie, A-N-N-A-L-E-I-G-H, one word. It's a lot. My mom was 18 when she had me. Uh, So, I think it was just easier for everybody to just call me Annie. And then, you know, I sang tomorrow as I don't remember not singing tomorrow.
0: That's also a good anthem. Uh, Do you have a good luck charm or a ritual of any kind that you do before a big event or a
2: performance? Well, I always have ladybugs around. Um, I always loved ladybugs forever and they're, you know, they're good luck. And then, this is so wild, but I had, this magical babysitter who also <laughs> I've known since she was a little girl who also has psychic things and I forgot one day I was like can hey, I remember your mom telling me that you're psychic what's that about and she's like oh yeah we had a friend a mutual friend who'd passed away our sweet friend Brenda and she'd be like Brenda's here all the time watching over jack and the some lady with the lady books uh, who is this and she started basically describing my grandma it's not amazing. And she goes, yeah, she's always sending you ladybugs. I don't know. And I see ladybugs at the weirdest times. It was like when I was really sick during kinky boots before we knew I had celiac, a ladybug was in my dressing room in the no, Hirschfield. No, that's wild.
0: No, that Stuff doesn't like even make that. Sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that, and then um, before I go on stage, I always say like, God, go ahead of me and stay after me. This is not of me. This is of you. This is just mm-hmm. like, I hope that I can share your light. I like
1: that. Oh, I love that a lot. Yeah. You would love my house. I live in a really old house. And every fall, all these ladybugs, like hundreds of ladybugs, come and live in my walls. And then in the (gasps) spring, they all come back out and then fly out the window. And I don't kill them. I don't let them vacuum them up or anything. They're everywhere. They kind of hide in the corners of the walls all winter long. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. What's the lifespan Mm. of a
0: ladybug? Does anybody know?
2: I have no idea. I don't know either. I sort of don't want to know.
0: No. They live, they, live. Right. they live forever. That's right. forever.
1: Ladybugs live forever. That's the title of your episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question. Um, if you could go back and talk to your teenage self, what would you tell her? What advice could you give?
2: You don't have to get an A plus. <laughs> oh God, that's going to make me tear up. And also, um, I, yeah, you don't have to get an A plus and you can have more fun and nobody will care. Thank you. I had a lot of fun, but I could have just been like, I could have gone to one more slumber party and it would have been okay. I just never, I, I would also say like, go ahead and sleep more. And just remember never sleeping, just really being tired.
0: If we were to open up your closet, is there a piece of clothing or jewelry that holds great importance to you that you'll never get rid of and means something special? I have my grandma's ring.
2: And when we got engaged, Joe had the band replaced because when she was really, really sick at the end, she got really, really swollen. And oh, these sweet nurses tried for like three days to get a ring off her finger and they just couldn't get it off. And they cried. They, they all cried when they had to cut it off her finger. So my mom took it and then she got it uh, soldered back together and gave it to me. And I was just wore it. And then when Joe and I were about to get engaged, he was like what do you want you know if we, we were to get married what would you want you'd always say and i'd be like i want the ring i got on my finger it's the best ring that ever happened and then it broke where it was cut you know it happens mm-hmm. sometimes with white gold he took it without me knowing and he had the whole band replaced And he got my grandma's name on on one side on the inside oh. and my name on the other so it says annie and carol on the inside and that's oh, my ring isn't that the sweetest so sweet yes it
0: is the sweetest because most people would put Annie and Joe, but he was so loving and selfless that he took himself totally out of it. And it's just, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Good stuff. You got a good one for sure. Yeah. All right. Here's the
1: big one. If you were a nail polish color, what what color would you be? And what would the cheeky little name be?
2: Okay. I would be a coral orange red, you know, like that, like coral orange red and I would be, where's your wig?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you your Thank you, guys. So gorgeous.
2: This is my favorite part of the week.
0: Oh, hooray. I'm so Yay. glad. It's so good to meet you. All right, lady. You are, like I said in the beginning, delightful. And um, I really adore you as a human, as an artist and Likewise on all things. I love you, my friend. Go rest. We adore you. All right. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye. Here's what struck a chord with us.
1: Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our theme song says love where you are now, but sometimes we all need a little help. I've learned from therapy and in my yoga practice that growth comes from challenges. A good therapist can help you reframe the way you look at a challenge and your life. And BetterHelp can provide you with a therapist that gives you some tools to navigate. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can reach a therapist in under 48 hours. And right now, STAGES cast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp, so don't wait. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And love where you are now. Well, how great is she? Really great. I really do think she's Meryl Streep. She's the next one. She
0: goes to the very boundaries of physical humor of voice inflection humor, yep. of facial sort of elasticity humor, but but it, it's always it believable. That's right.
1: Yeah. She's super grounded. I She's, think it could
0: be that old soul that she yeah. speaks of, right? Yeah. That's the thing that we can't articulate that might be otherworldly or spiritually connected is this old soul that is at the center and core of her. Um but she does create we say this word a lot on this podcast but she truly is kind of the mama of magic like even when she was 19 she'd be like oh that's magical you're magical that costume's magical your voice is magical like that's just <laughs> the adjective that's always been part of her vocabulary but she i think her intentionality in every day and interacting with people whether it's her son her young son or you know the a d on b positive she brings this essence of fun and joy and where it doesn't have to be heavy, right? The days and the life does not, it doesn't have to be heavy.
1: Yeah. I really, really liked her. There's this genuine quality about her, uh, and honesty. She's so candid about what she says. She's just very real, very honest and a, a real super talent, a real super talent. I'm so impressed every thing I see her in. She even did this one little bit on um, the Sex in the City movie where she was at a table. It was just a few lines and she was drinking um, a coffee and she takes a sip and realizes it's not a uh, nonfat milk. And she looks like she's going to cry. It was that quick and that good. It was the perfect example of somebody taking just one or two lines in a scene and stealing it. And you are so lucky that you got to work together. I mean, how, what she must just be a joy to work with. Yeah.
0: I, so my very first performance ever going on as Alfie, uh, as Elphaba, Kristen Chenoweth was my and then on the tour, it was Kendra Kassenbaum, and then when we hit Broadway, it was Anna Lee, and all three of them were so different in so many remarkable ways, but again, this sort of young person who would anchor the show, because I would come in going, oh, I'm a little tired, my voice is this, that, and the other, and she would just be even, well, let's see what happens, let's just go with it, let's, I've got your back, I've got your... And I thought, who is this person literally at 20 something, finding the calm and the joy and the levity of every day?
1: Yeah, no, she's really cool. She's really cool.
0: I think uh, I always say, we, you know, I have so much to learn at the end of every interview. But man, when I had to, again, prepare for this interview and looking at her resume at such a young age, it's shockingly impressive. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, is that she just goes about it like it is. She doesn't need to toot her own horn because she's showing up. She's doing the work. She's doing it truthfully. I also was very impressed. And inside, I was like uh, cheering for her because I'm glad that young performers and actors heard her say you know, I do the work. I go back to Uda Hagen. I look at every scene and say, "What mm. do I want from this scene?" So it's not like she's just kind of relying on her own quirkiness or charm or um, or, or her sort of um, reputation. She sits down and she does the work truthfully, and that's what gets her the gig, and that's what makes her stand out on all these mediums, all these different mediums.
1: All right, ladies. All right. Thank you all so very much. All right. I love you and I'll see you soon. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: So if this episode
1: resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Alison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members,
0: for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.